Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm the Sam and Sam Says, and today I'm thrilled to welcome back our regular guest of the podcast, dear friend and absolute policy expert, Jill Hayden, director at Sellers Dorsey, to discuss how the Medicaid 1115 Behavioral Health Transformation Waiver, oh, what a mouthful, is evolving. (laughs) Jill, welcome back, my friend. Thank you so much. So glad to be here with you on such an exciting topic. It really is. And let's just sort of start with the basics. You and I, we have been talking about 1115 waivers for probably a decade. But can we just start with what is an 1115 waiver? Yeah, so 1115 just basically references the section of the Social Security Act that allows states to propose certain flexibilities in their Medicaid programs. Um, It allows them to test out or pilot demonstration projects um, basically designed to make improvements. Um, And it obviously has to align with certain parameters. Um, They have to meet Medicaid objectives. Um, It has to be budget neutral. um, And it has to have a timeline associated with it, which in most cases is five years and, and is five years again in this case as well. Perfect. So basically, we couldn't think of a name for the waiver. So we just call it the section of the Social Security Act that it is. And it's just a tool that lets states try things out that maybe they otherwise couldn't do, or that doesn't really fit into the normal rules of Medicaid, but aligns with the end goals of Medicaid. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, It just basically says, we think we can do this better by doing, you know, X. Um, and allow states to really just test that out and show the federal government that if they propose to cover this benefit, that they'll have the same or better outcomes um, on their underlying Medicaid program. Got it. And here in Illinois, we've had an 1115 waiver for nearly five years now. We're coming right up on that five-year mark. And our waiver today focuses on behavioral health. Is that right? Yep, that's right. So as you'll remember, back in 2018, um, HFS got approval from CMS at that time for what was called the Behavioral Health Transformation 1115 waiver, which contained um, a number of Um, mostly SUD, substance use disorder um, pilots, but also some other behavioral health initiatives in there as well. Um, And since that was in 2018, um, we're coming up on the deadline of that current waiver expiring on June 30th of this year. So that's sort of why we're talking about um, amending that uh, today. And that really leads into my next question, so here in Illinois, we have a, we're talking about a new waiver, a new 1115 waiver. My understanding is that what we're doing is we're taking sort of the lessons learned from our current waiver. We are dropping a few things, making a few things permanent, and then adding some stuff. Is that right? Yeah, so I guess you could call it amending and extending the current waiver. 
Um, so as I mentioned, there were a number of pilots in the existing one um, that were either small um, or you know, got moved over to other authorities in the meantime, such as Pathways to Success, which is the children's mental health um, initiative that's being implemented now. There were um, a couple initiatives that are moving over there. Um, and so no longer need to be included in the 1115. And then there were a couple others that just never got off the ground at all um, that we've been talking about uh, over the last five years, which um, is housing and employment supports. So what they're doing is amending the existing waiver, making some changes, keeping some things, and then adding a number of new things um, and extending that for another five years. And I think the area people get most excited about, and I think the state's most excited about, are what we're adding. And that is we are adding some flexibilities to try to address health-related social needs and social determinants of health, such as food insecurity, housing, um, you know, job security. And, you know, we're going to try to do some flexible things here to address those needs that absolutely impact health outcomes. Is that right, Jill? Yeah, absolutely. So for years, you know, we've been talking about social determinants of health. Um, and I think a lot of people have a good idea of, of what we mean, um, you know, when we talk about that. And the verbiage that we're seeing out of other states and now officially out of CMS is what you mentioned, this, this terminology, health-related social needs, which are basically the unmet, um, the adverse social conditions that contribute to poor health, like you mentioned, you know, food insecurity, housing instability, unemployment, transportation, and all of those things that are kind of the result of social determinants of health. Um, we've sort of realized that, you know, those are those are those quotes, health-related social needs that really need to be addressed. And so states, including Illinois now, are looking to cover those um, or pilot them or, you know, certain request certain flexibilities to allow us to test those out to say, if we cover these, then again, we'll have better outcomes in our Medicaid program. So that's what we're seeing um, in this latest 1115. And that's really, in my mind, sort of exciting because we know, and, and you and I have talked about this, and I, I think listeners that are really focus in on Medicaid know a lot of the drivers of our of cost and poor outcomes are these health-related social needs that are just, they're unmet. Um, I say this all the time. It is like the go-to that I have, but somebody is not managing their diabetes if they don't know where they're going to sleep at night. You know, hierarchy of needs really matters. We are human beings and our Medicaid members, you know, there are, there are, there are human beings too. There are neighbors, our community members. And when they have unmet needs that are just really dire and core to, you know, surviving as, as a human being, they're going to focus on those and things like, you know, their A1C um, for, you know, their diabetes well-being it's just not what they're paying attention to. And so the idea here is let's focus on the person. Let's, you know, meet the person where they are, meet those needs. And then we can, once those are met, 
we can have that health discussion. Is that is that how you sort of think about it, Jill? Yeah, absolutely. And and we can get into some of the specifics, but um, you know, I think like you said, we've been talking about this for years. And the other piece of this that is is important to to remember is that there are so many community-based organizations out there that are providing these types of services and doing the best that they can with the funds and the resources that they have. Um, And so, you know, bringing them into the discussion and testing out some of the services that those organizations who aren't uh, traditionally looked at as Medicaid providers and giving them the opportunity to be part of this program, I think is really is really key to what we're seeing in these 1115s. It's kind of the glue that's holding, um, you know, the, the fabric of society together in, in some cases where we know they're out there, we know they exist, they're seeing the same um, individuals that Medicaid providers are seeing. So how do we bring them into the conversation and really make those resources available um, you know, through through some sort of structural um, system. And, and I think that's what, what the 1115 is really giving us the opportunity to do. Thank you, Joe, for highlighting that, because I'm sure people were thinking, well, you know, there's a food bank down the street, or I, I volunteer at a wonderful shelter. So like these services exist. We're definitely not saying that they exist. They don't exist. But we are trying to do here in Illinois is bring in Medicaid dollars. And why we say that is Medicaid comes with federal matching dollars. It comes with federal support. Typically food banks, you know, homeless shelters, et cetera, um, they don't have the same level of support that the Medicaid program does. And so the idea here of sort of bringing in that Medicaid support is to really strengthen and expand how far those dollars can go. And that's exciting. Uh, in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think what also is exciting is that we're seeing CMS approve them, right? Like CMS not only approved them, we saw a number of states last fall who got approval for these 1115s. But then in December, CMS came out and said, okay, here's some guidance states. If you want to try this out, if you want to submit the 1115s to address these social needs, this is what it needs to look like. And that's very exciting. And I think that's that's what we're seeing here in Illinois. Yes. And for people like, you know, you and I, we talk about this all the time, but it's almost like the federal government, you know, sort of realized what we all on the ground have known for a long time which is unless you meet these needs, healthcare costs and quality and outcomes are just not going to be where we want them to be. Like we have to look and treat the whole person. And CMS finally said, you know what? Let's give this a go. Here are some parameters. And that helps states sort of know, well, we can do this. We can do that. It really helps sort of frame the conversation. And what I like here in Illinois is that we're not the first to go. We're going after some other states. We're going, you know, this is our extension and an amendment to our current 1115 waiver. So we've learned some lessons too along the way. So we're not flying completely blind. Is that right, Jill? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, we're carrying over a couple of things from our existing seen states like Arizona and Arkansas, Massachusetts and Oregon all go before us in terms of these 1115. So, um, you know, the good news is, is that we've got some examples out there and some things to lean on from a policy perspective um, when it comes time to implement and and sort of gives us a framework of, of what the programs can look like. 
Absolutely. And what I love there, I mean, goodness, when you mention Arkansas and Oregon in the same sentence with regards mm-hmm. to the Medicaid program, I mean, that's pretty rare. But I think that really talks about how core health-related social needs are to the strength of a Medicaid program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, like you said, everybody's sort of waking up to the the realities of how important um, you know, meeting these needs are to allow people to really focus on their overall health care. And the other exciting thing I would say, especially from a health plan perspective, is that in 1115, it really focuses on managed care and how managed care can, uh, you know, be a part of, of assuring from a care coordination perspective that people are accessing these services. So, um, again, I, you know, it's it's a very exciting time in the state of Illinois. It really is. I'm so glad you said that because one of the benefits we always talk about with regards to managed care is that we offer flexibility and a nimbleness the state just doesn't have, whether it's because of federal requirements or IT or just resources. Managed care can do things really different than a state like fee-for-service program is. Uh, and what we see here is the state's taking an 1115 waiver that allows a lot more flexibility than the regular program and then braiding that with the more flexible model of Medicaid managed care. And so the idea I hope, and I think from what I, you know, conversations I've been a part of is let's really try some stuff here. Let's see what we can do. And what I love is, you know, MCOs have done this already. We have plans that are supporting housing and medical respite and paying for it. We have plans that are paying for food. We have plans that are doing, you know, job training. But what there hasn't been before is a designated funding source and sort of clear guidance on go forth and do, you know, provide medical respite to this subset of the population or with partner with these providers. And so I think with not too rigid of a roadmap, but more of a roadmap than we've had before and actual designated funding to do this work and sustain it, we will really be able to build upon our past smaller pilots and experimentation. And again, these MCOs are in a lot of these other states. And so they're going to be able to learn from their peers in other states as well. And so I do think this is a a really a best approach in terms of let's lean on these plans that, that have done this either in other states or in a smaller format here in Illinois. Yeah, and that's a really good point because, um, as you mentioned, a lot of plans are engaging in, you know, with community-based uh, providers to, um, you know, provide resources for some of these programs. Um, but you know, a lot of them operate on grants or cobble together the dollars that they can get um, from other organizations in their communities. And I think giving them some predictability. Um, from a budgetary perspective in terms of, you know, Medicaid dollars flowing through the doors to help them support uh, the programs and the populations that they serve um, just adds that level of um, security, I think, that they need to know that their program can continue. Um, So again, you know, 
great news for everybody um, involved in these programs. And obviously, we've got a lot of work to do in terms of implementation. Um, but we've got a lot of um, programs that already exist that we can really lean on to see how they're operating today and, um, you know, sort of guide us um, in terms of implementation. Oh, I love that, Jill. And I think we'll definitely be talking about this as we sort of like weave our way through the implementation process and sort of start to see what this looks like on the ground and, you know, really just begin to bring this into, you know, fruition and implementation. And I'm excited to see what we can do, you know, as plans, as providers, and as a state, what CMS lets us do right now, we are just in the, um, you know, we haven't submitted, we, it hasn't been approved, but I'm hopeful and I'm really excited to sort of get to the next step of, well, let's put some details and some operational um, framework around this so we can start to sort of focus all of our dreams. So Jill, I'm just so glad that you were able to join us today. And I hope that you'll join us later um, this year to talk about sort of how things are, are rolling out. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Um, I think, you know, throughout the year, we'll just check in every once in a while and see what's happening. And um, I can't wait to hear about so many of those success stories associated with these programs. So um, thanks again. Absolutely. And there will be success stories. That's for sure. As always, Jill, thank you for joining us. And to our listeners, to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one, and to learn about becoming a trusted partner like Sellers Dorsey, we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.org. And don't forget to like and follow us and Sellers Dorsey on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I'm Samantha Oldsfry. The Sam and Sam says... As always, thanks for joining us and until next time, be well and stay safe.